We just want to say a big thank you to Kelly Bueno. Thank you, Kelly. And all you amazing volunteers that helped pull off our first Redeemer Kids Christmas program. So it's so exciting to be able to see those kids up there. Nothing beats uh, watching them up there singing some Christmas carols, all dressed up in their Christmas uh, outfits. And so thank you for all you parents as well, just uh, allowing your kids to participate in, uh, in that. So yeah, it's just so hilarious. But hey, uh, we wanted to do the Redeemer Kids Christmas program because, um, well, it's, it's Christmas and nothing's better than watching little ones sing those songs. But we also wanted to do it just because it's, uh, it makes so many memories, right? And we could all think of those of us that have had kids in the past in Christmas programs and there's probably something that took place. And it, it's not really a, a, a good Christmas program unless um, there's some type of spectacle, right? And, and so some of those memories that we have might not necessarily always be good memories of those Christmas programs because your kids may have done something they weren't supposed to do, right? And so, um, so I, for one, have, have a few testaments of that. For example, you know, your kid might fall into a few different categories, am I right? And, and so uh, they might fall into the category of, I don't want to be here, okay? And so, as we could see, um, yeah, he, he, this is my youngest son, the one that was up there playing the guitar, so he's grown up a little bit, uh, but he decided to just basically show the whole church his belly. And so, um, and then after that, when everyone started clapping, uh, he basically, uh, he, he waved off the crowd. <laughs> he's just like, I don't want to hear it from you guys. So, so yeah, he, he didn't want to be here. I, I have a video of that somewhere. And then, um, and then we have, you know, maybe your kids fall into this category of, I just don't care. You know, like, I, I really don't care what's going on. And this would be my two oldest uh, sons, Mason and Camden. And so uh, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing, if it's sec- some secret, covert, you know, telepathic language or something. I, I asked Mason, he's home from college, and, you know, he's college, the older one right there. And he's like, oh, it was Illuminati. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like, like okay. <laughs> and so, and then, you know, you might have the child that basically says, you know what, this is my time to shine. All right, this is my day, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to sing with so much joy. And, you know, I am singing the Christmas spirit into the church right now. And so, so this was my youngest daughter, Ivy. So, uh, again, uh, you know, it's just not a Christmas program without some type of spectacle going on. So maybe if one of your kids was in one of those categories, you know, just take heart. It's, it's all good. We've all been there at some point. I think I could have made a meme over those three pictures. And, you know, if, I don't know if you, what you do with that, but... If if, if I were to make a meme, it, that would be a pretty good one. So again, thank you for letting us borrow your kids for our Christmas program. Such an amazing blessing. But a couple of quick announcements before we jump in today. Um, we uh, have obviously our Christmas Eve services coming up. That's going to be Saturday at 4 o'clock and 5.30. We'd love to see you there. A great opportunity to invite a friend, maybe someone that you've been praying over, a family member, a co-worker. Uh, statistics show this is people say yes typically when you invite them to a Christmas or Easter service. So we're going to have have child care from zero to five, and then um, we're not going to have services the following Sunday uh, on Christmas, but we will be having services on January 1st, New Year's Day. And so that service will also be a family service with just child care from zero to five. And so, and then um, finally, we uh, are really excited to announce that we're going to have our uh, student winter camps. And so those are right around the corner. Signups are live for that. And so for middle school or high school uh, students, uh, we'd love to see you there. 
Um, uh, this is just a great opportunity for students to draw closer uh, to the Lord. So our high school camp is going to be February 10th through the 12th. Our middle school camp is going to be um, the 24th through the 26th. And so you can go ahead and put that on your calendar. Like I said, sign-ups are live for that. So, so here we are. We're concluding our uh, fourth week of Advent leading into our Christmas Eve uh, services. And so praying that you've been blessed by these four weeks and just as we really focus and uh, prepare our hearts and celebrate the coming, the arrival, the advent of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And, and so we've covered the four themes of Advent and hope and peace and joy. And now we're going to be uh, stepping into this topic of love. And, and love is, is so important and we're going to jump into this. But before We also have something else to celebrate today because today is the 18th. And for those of you that remember, we launched officially uh, Redeemer Church on September 18th. And so we've arrived at this three-month mark, and and it's just been uh, amazing. This journey has been uh, just the coolest thing I've been ever been able to experience, and and I just can't tell you how thankful we are for um, everybody here. The fact that you're here, uh, your mere presence just means so much to us. Um, we have so many things to celebrate. Last week we got to see 81 individuals take a step towards church membership, and then we've got about 30 or 40 more individuals that are just waiting to get that third or second week under their their belt so they could officially become members, and that's just amazing. And so, and then we got to see um, our devoted women's Bible study. We, we see, we saw, you know, close to 90 women participate in that this past fall. So that was amazing. And so, like I said, you know, referencing the winter, the winter camps, um, we didn't even expect to have a student ministry. And, but we had so many amazing leaders and volunteers to jump in and say, hey, we're going to make this happen. And so, so thankful for our student ministries here at Redeemer. And obviously, as you could see, Redeemer Kids has just been a strength of our church uh, since we started. And so many of you guys have just jumped into so many areas of serving, whether that be greeting or ushering or just help with tech back there. We're so thankful for you guys' worship and, and production, you know, our, our coffee out there. And then obviously the Lord has a very special place in the kingdom for our setup and teardown teams. And so, so just thank you guys. Uh, it, it truly is an amazing a blessing to just be a part of what the Lord is doing here. And it's also just great as well because 2023, we've got some exciting things as well, kicking off community groups and then just really launching our men's ministry. And so the best is yet to come. We're so excited what the Lord has already done and just so excited about the, what the Lord is going to continue to do here at the church. And so so with today being somewhat of a watermark of, of three months, we're going to be jumping into this passage of scripture found in Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, you go ahead and turn there. We're going to be in Ephesians 3 uh, today. And the reason I chose this passage, because it not only focuses on this, our final Advent week on love, but also this is just that uh, with it being the three month mark, uh, this is a prayer and also somewhat of a charge uh, that uh, the, the Lord has for our church. And so, so, but before we jump into this passage, we do need to kind of tackle the topic of love. And so, I mean, how do we even, you know, step into this 
grand topic of love. Where do we even start with? You know, this word could mean so many different things to so many different people. I mean, I, I love my, my wife. You know, we've, you know, 21 years of, of marriage. You know, I, I love the beautiful blessings that the Lord gave me as, as kids. And so th- these are some of the things that, that I love. I, I love my dog most days when he doesn't tear up our, our carpet. And, and so, you know, many of you guys, anybody been skiing yet? You know, this time of year, I, I love to ski, right? Those are things that, that we would say that we love. You know, students in the room or I love Christmas rake, right? I, I don't have to wake up. I could stay in my jammies, no homework. Um, and so those are things we love. A couple of weekends ago, um, this, this place, Mobetta's, they, they were giving away free food. Like free food in the link house is a big deal. So I love free food. You know, when we got three boys and, you know, Ivy and so, you know, free food, that's, that's something great. And so, but I love this church. I love Redeemer Church. I love what God is doing here. And just to be able to look back at you guys and see so many individuals that, you know, we've done ministry with for so many years and to see so many new faces that I'm just so blessed to be able to know and and just step into relationship with. And and so I I love you guys. I love you guys. And I think we could all say as followers of of the Lord, I love the Lord. And these are some of the things that we use when we reference this word, Love. And so as we've done these past three weeks, and as we're going to do today with no exception, we're really going to step into the difference between what constitutes worldly and earthly love and the, the great difference when we really look at God's love. It's, it's so much different. It's on a different plane. It's on a different stratosphere, as, far, as you will. But this topic of love, the, the difference between worldly and earthly love and God's love uh, that we have for us. But we can't get around this topic of love. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a big deal. You know, when we talk about how we give or receive or, or feel or, or view love. I mean, just look at It's a very powerful emotion. And so we could look at things such as um, just maybe when, you know, we, we met our, the love of our life for those of us that are married. You know, that feeling of euphoria that you had, you know. And, and so, or it's just also that, that deep-rooted love that you have with spending, you know, months or years. I just ran into a couple. They'd been married three months and, and the, you know, or decades upon decades. This love of like, I, I know you so well and I'm so thankful that, that we have this relationship. Maybe it's a love that you would have for a child, right? Or, you know, that's, that's a significant emotion that there's no getting uh, around. Or a, a love that you have for something that's very near and dear uh, to your heart. Or, or someone that you have a very close relationship with. And so, so we could easily look at this emotion and, and look at its importance because what actually happens when that love is taken away? Right? And so if we love something very dearly, well, we know it's something that's very powerful and affects us greatly, whether we want to minimize it or make a big deal. But we know that it's something that effectively, uh, effectively um, you know, we, we look at to just because if it's taken away, then, then how are we dealing with that? There's a, a large amount of heartache and, and heartbreak that ensues if that love is taken away. So again, it's something that is just a part of our, our life and, and our being. And so as believers, um, we should be familiar with this different type of love, and that's, that's God's love. 
And is he, even if we look at this type of love, we merely are just going to scratch uh, the surface on this today because God's love is so much greater, so much larger, so much grander. It, it's just basically, it's, it's infinite. We, we have this very um, skewed, finite view of worldly and earthly love, but God's love is this great expanse. It's, it's infinite. It, it's a sea in which there is no end. And so I want to just really uh, lead us towards a couple of thoughts today and merge these, these thoughts. And, and so this Advent season and today, I want us to truly consider, uh, to truly ponder and embrace the expanse uh, of God's love and, and to really step into how great it is, okay? And then, and I also want us to really, if we have experienced, if we have known, if we know and comprehend this love, then what the passage says today that I want you to make note of is that we will be filled with the fullness of God. So again, I I want us to consider, to ponder, uh, to embrace the expanse uh, of God's love. And then as we see with stepping into that to really step into the fullness of God. And then also to take another thought, which is over here, to say, if I have been a recipient of that love, then what am I supposed to do with it? What does that mean for me as an individual? And what does that mean for us as a church? What does that mean as uh, for Redeemer Church? And so, so today we're going to actually answer uh, those questions by looking at this passage of Scripture in Ephesians uh, 3, verses 14 through 19. And so uh, Paul has these words for the Ephesians, uh, the church of Ephesus. He has these words for us today, uh, Redeemer Church. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. So Ephesians 3... Verses 14 uh, through 19, and Paul states these words. For this reason, I I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Pray with me, Lord. We just come before you just so thankful for what you have been doing through your church, God, especially as your glorious light shines the brightest this, this time of year. God, help us to lean into this light. And today, help us to lean into this love. God, help us to be rooted and grounded in it and allow us to see the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth of it. And Lord, when we arrive at this knowledge, when we arrive at this comprehension, allow us to be filled with the fullness of God. And Lord, we just ask that you just illuminate your word, and just uh, show us what you have for us today. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So as we lean into our passage today, we could see that this is one of two prayers that Paul has for the church found in the book of Ephesians. The, the first prayer is found in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23. And this prayer is noted by a couple of things. Paul, here in this first prayer in Ephesians 1, is referencing uh, the power of, of God. 
you know, we could see this statement, the measurable greatness of his power. We, we could also see that the power that is in, in dwelt through his deity, uh, when Paul states in, in verse 20, uh, 21, uh, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, uh, but the one to come. So some commentators would state that if this first prayer uh, that Paul was uh, really stepping in and wanting us to step into comprehension of his power. The second prayer that we're looking at today that uh, Paul is wanting us to step into the comprehension of his love. And so Paul is praying that we would understand, that we would know, uh, that we would really step into the totality uh, of his love. And how he does this, he very eloquently gives us this blueprint, this uh, progressive roadmap, if you will. And so, and how we are to arrive at this, this love and this fullness of God. And so, so how many of you guys remember um, Tom Toms and, and Garmin's, right? Remember those? I mean, like, we got those when they first came out. Like, whoa, this thing is telling me where to go. Uh, it's speaking to me, which is a little creepy. And then, you know, and then that, that was just like, wow. But what did we have before the Tom Toms and, and Garmin's came out? Well, we had MapQuest, right? Remember MapQuest? Uh, that's how we jump online and print off, like, all these maps. They give us directions on the side. This is great. We tape them together, like this tapestry, and like, hey, honey, we know where we're going. And then, but what did we have before MapQuest? MapQuest. Well, we had Rand McNally, right? Rand McNally. And, and what, what did that consist of? I don't know how that was safe in any world. You know, it's like we're going to unfold a 10 foot by 10 foot map. I'm sure accidents went down exponentially after we, you know, got MapQuest. But it's like we can't, you know, it's like how am I supposed to see anything? And, you know, your spouse is probably yelling at you and unfold the map. I can't see past the map, okay? So, um, but those are things. We have this experience of, of maps as far as road maps as far as where we're supposed to get uh, to where we're supposed to be. And so Paul, he, he's today in this passage, he's giving us this sequential roadmap as far as how we are to arrive and comprehend and know this love. And, and then uh, one step further, the end result, the end destination is, as far as where we are supposed to arrive is to be filled with all fullness uh, of God. And so during this Advent season, I really want us to step into this again, to, to really know what the great expanse of God's love is and, and what this means for us. So let's step into God's definition of love, not the world's definition. And so if we have this roadmap, uh, there's nothing better than a road trip, right? Well, there is something better than a road trip during the Christmas season, and that's a Christmas sleigh ride, Right? Everyone loves a Christmas sleigh ride. So we're going to go on this Christmas sleigh ride as far as what um, Paul has for us uh, today. So our, our four points today, they're just taken directly from uh, the passage and they're identified um, as these road markers, okay? And so in the Greek, they're referred to as hina clauses. And so if we, a hina clause is basically saying, uh, I want you to see this, I'm directing you towards this, it's saying that uh, it might be phrases in order that or in order 
to or so that or even just merely the word that. Okay, so if we look back, you could do a little where's Waldo here in the passage and you could find the four that's and those are going to be our four points today, which we now know as the four hinnas. But what they do as far as today, they are just really pointing us to how to get to this end destination, how to get to this end goal of, of God's love. And so this is what we're going to be looking at. The first one is found in Ephesians 3.16. It states that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And so, so our first stop, our first point in arriving at this comprehension of God's love is that our inner being is strengthened through the spirits. Our inner being is strengthened through the spirit. And and so if we see this phrase inner being, we have to answer the question of how are we doing with the inner being? Because we have two selves, right? We we have the inner self, the outer self. We have the inner being, we have the outer being. We have the inner man, we have the outer man. We have the inner woman, we have the outer woman. And and so we, uh, you know, realistically, if we look at the the world that we live in, we could find ourselves where we have this great imbalance, where we focus a lot on the external, we focus a lot on the outer self, but if we find ourselves where we're spending minimal to no time on our inner being, on our inner self, well, this is essentially just not a good place to be. There should be a good balance. And now, I don't know what the correct ratio is, you know, like you spend a lot of time doing this and a lot of time, you know, doing this. I have to read my Bible a certain amount of minutes per day. So I don't know, there isn't like a ratio. Um, But, you know, it also doesn't mean that, you know, you just wake up with bedhead and go to work school or what have you. And and students, that also means that you you shower. Okay, John said I don't need to focus on my outer self. Okay, so that doesn't give you an excuse not to shower. Okay, so but it's just uh, if there's this imbalance that we're looking at, like, hey, I, I can't remember remember the last time I read my Bible. I can't remember the last time I prayed, but I sure spent a lot of time doing this or, or doing that for my outer self, my outer being. And so we really need to recognize that. So what are some ways that we focus on our, our inner being, uh, ways that we focus on our inner self? Well, you know, time in the Word, reading, memorizing, and meditating on God's Word, allowing it to direct our, our path and, and our life, being constant in prayer you know I mean we could pray we could have dedicated times to pray in the morning we could pray throughout the day there are always times that we could say hey I've got a little bit of time here this would be a great time to just come into the Lord's presence and and just say Lord I need to commune with you I need to talk with you and and so that that's obviously great And, and so inner self, um, reading good Christian literature. And, you know, if we like to read leisurely, it's always good to be reading good books that, that are really going to allow our faith to come more and more alive. And, and as we see in this verse specifically, it, it says that we want to be empowered by the Spirit. And, and so what does that mean? That's always like a great question. Like we see so many verses on the Holy Spirit throughout God's Word, and then we always just, you know, kind of can step into things. Well, what does that actually mean? What does that actually look like? And, and so that could mean many things. But, you know, first and foremost, as it says in Ephesians 6, well, what are we to do? We are to take up uh, the, the sword uh, of the Spirit, which is what? The Word 
of God. So again, we need to just be stepping into allowing the Holy Spirit to be working off our, our knowledge of who God is, uh, allowing us to be filled with his spirit. And so, you know, we could pray a prayer specifically. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, you know, we, we pray. And one thing that we could pray about if, if we're wanting to see more and more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, well, we could say, Lord, I would want you to, to give me and impart a, a greater indwelling of your spirit in my life. And that's a very good thing to pray. And that's a prayer that the Lord is obviously going to answer. Okay. And so, so that's very important. What the, are we told in Ephesians 4.30? We're told not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, we're going to be grieving the Holy Spirit if we're continually, you know, participating in, in unrepentant will sin. And so if we want greater degrees of the Holy Spirit working in our life, then, then stop grieving the Spirit. And, and this is the Spirit. This is our, our guide. This is our helper. This is how we are to navigate. This is what provides a conviction in our life. And so what it means by living in the Spirit, oftentimes it means by coming into submission and, and living uh, under the authority of the Spirit of God. And so that means this. It's like, well, I, I know I'm not supposed to be doing that. The, the Lord is speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. I, I need to just not do that. Or maybe I, I need to do this. Like what are those things as, as far as being sensitive and, and open to maybe how the Lord is leading you through the Holy Spirit? And so these are some things that we could look at as far as our inner being being strengthened through the Spirit. And, and so, but as we could see this whole focus of um, you know, putting the emphasis on our inner self and not so much our outer self, we could see this mirrored in, in 2 Corinthians. It states in four, uh, chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, it states, so we do not lose heart, right? Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so when we focus on our inner self, when we focus on our inner being, our inner man, our inner woman, what is taking place is we are focusing more and more on the eternal. And that's truly where our mindset should be as followers of Christ regularly stepping into, I mean, that's what First Peter's all about that we've been in, regularly stepping into that, that we are in this world, but we are not of this world, regularly stepping into what is waiting for us at the end of this life. And so when we focus on the inner self, we are changed, we are transformed, and then we are able to go out and do more and more for the kingdom of God. And that allows us to focus more and more on the eternal. So, um, I know that many of us, you know, wherever we're at in life, you know, like I could look at some of the young bucks in the room like, oh, just you wait, you know. But we, could, we know, we know like we can't do the same things maybe that we did 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, right? And some guys that may be a little bit older, they're probably pointing at me like, just you wait. And they're like, I get it. <laughs> you know, we can't do these things. Our, our outer self is wasting away. But we need to rejoice, why? 
because our inner self is being renewed day by day. I'm so thankful. Like I don't make the same dumb decisions I made like 20 some years ago. I'm so thankful that the Lord has brought this maturation process. So the older we get, we need to rejoice in the fact that our inner self is becoming more robust. Every year that passes that we spend with the Lord, he's going to be growing and and just like taking our faith to new places. And that's something that we should get excited about. I'm so glad my faith isn't the same as it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. So when we see verses like this, we could see there's great importance. There's great emphasis that should be placed on our inner self, right? Because our outer self will be wasting away. So let's not be a church that just focuses on the external. Let's not be a, a church that just focuses on the transient. Let's be a church that focuses on the inner being, the inner self. And let's be a church that just focuses less on the external and focuses more on the eternal. And so that's really what we could see and what we could take away from this first stop. And so we see this next stop on the the Christmas sleigh ride um, of arriving at the fullness uh, of God. We see this next stop, our next that, our next hinna in, in verse 17 where it states, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so two, verse, um, point number two, that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. And so uh, upon salvation, I think we would all know, recognize, and agree that God the Father, Christ our Savior, and the Holy Spirit of the living God, they come and they make a home within our mind and our body and our soul. This is the regenerative transformation that takes place with a new life in Christ. John 14, 23, uh, we see Jesus saying this, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And so essentially what a life in Christ means, uh, it means this, there's a new sheriff in town. Like it is no longer... I who live, but Christ who lives in me, according to Galatians 2.20. The, the, the life I now live in Christ who, who loved me and gave himself up for me, right? And so, so that's really what is, has taken place. And, and so, so we must answer this question, if it is no longer us and self in the driver's seat and the Holy Trinity has come and made a home in our heart and our mind and our body and our soul, then we have to answer the question of how are we treating those house guests? How, how are we treating the fact that, you know, God lives within us? And, and so this word dwell in, in the, the Greek is katoikese, katoikese. And, and so it, it just means to, the first part of that word means to, to come down. And, and the second part of that word means to settle to settle in at home. So, so to come down and settle in at home. And so, so we have to answer this question. Do we provide a, a home where the Holy Trinity can regularly dwell? Are we taking our life of sanctification seriously? When we step into ungodliness, do we have the mindset that we're taking the Lord with us. I mean, I'm, I think those of us that have been at church, we've probably heard a sermon at some point that when we step into sin, when we step into ungodliness, we are taking the Lord with us. And so that's just kind of something to keep in mind as we reference that verse in John. You know, if, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and he will keep 
my commandments. They, they go hand in hand. And so if we are to step into really knowing and comprehending uh, the fullness of God's love, uh, we need to make sure that we're uh, really stepping into sanctification, uh, providing our, our bodies as a living sacrifice, and, and which is holy and acceptable to the Lord, according to Romans 12.1. And then, you know, we have been given this temple uh, of, by God in which he is to dwell in, according to 1 Corinthians 6.19. And so we have to make sure that this temple, that this dwelling place, that this home is a place where the Trinity uh, would love to dwell. And so this next point, um, as far as uh, what we want to step in today, is really kind of where I want to park the sleigh a little bit. Like, let's get out and, and walk around and just kind of take a stop. Because really, this is the centerpiece of the passage today, and it's the, the centerpiece of our message today. As we look to the remainder of verse 17, all of 18, and the beginning of 19, um, the words read this. It says, That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And this brings us to our third point, that we are, that you are to be rooted and grounded in love. And so we kind of see this, these two words, rooted and grounded, and some commentators would say that Paul is using both an agricultural term and an architectural term. And so this term rooted means that we're supposed to have roots that go deep, that, that when, you know, the winds blow, the waters fall, the rains come, that, that we're supposed to have roots that grow deep that are going to be able to be steadfast amidst those storms. And, and we see the architectural term as far as grounded. And so we're supposed to have a, a firm foundation, okay? If, if this building is, is built on the, the rock of, of Christ, it's going to stand. But if it's built on the sand, great will be the fall. And so, so we see these two terms that, that we're to be rooted and grounded in, in this love. And so, but how are we to, be, to do that? And, and we could look to verses 18 and 19 here. And we see these two terms that are very important. So verse 18, it talks about that we are to comprehend the love of God. And then verse 19, it states that we are to know the love of God. And so these are instructive imperatives that are basically saying that we are to comprehend the love of God and we are to know uh, the love of God. And this is where many of us actually find ourselves at, at this crossroads. And I want to say, Maybe that's, it's necessarily a, a struggle. But I would say this, that many of us, we, we don't step into really the fullness of God's love. We just, kind of, we just kind of gloss over things a little bit. You know, we've heard and sung the Bible songs. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know. We, we see all these verses uh, based on God's love and his love for us throughout Scripture. And we just kind of like, just kind of cruise on, on by. And, and that's part of the problem. And so, you know, some of us that may be at a healthy place with, as far as being a recipient of God's love, we would ask the question of, of why? Why would you be at a place where you really are able to experience and, and be filled with the fullness of God through his love? And I, and I would say this, well, you know God's love. And, and how do you know God's love? Well, you, you've read about it. 
You, you have studied it. You regularly put it in front of you that I am loved by God. And, and so it's something that you have, have stepped into and you embrace this. And, and because that you know that God loves you within a, a measurable amount of love, that you know that you can experience the fullness of God. And then there's another end of the spectrum which, uh, um, you know, some may fall into, and, and it would be this. They, they lack this true knowledge of God's unconditional agape love, which is what Paul references here. This agape love that regardless of what you do or don't do, God loves you unconditionally because he sees Jesus Christ in you. And, and so, but you might be saying, hey, you know what? There's no way that, that God could love me because of maybe the things I've done in the past, or maybe even the things that I currently do right now. Like, how is God supposed to love me? And you're, we're continually stepping into this place that, like, our love is conditional or dependent upon uh, our performance, or his love is dependent or conditional on our performance. And this is a limited view of God's love. This isn't fully knowing and comprehending uh, the the height and, and depths of, of God's love. And then I think there's a third category that many of us fall into. And um, it's just basically kind of what I was referring to earlier. We know about God's love. We, we read about it, but we don't allow it to really sink in. We don't allow God's love to really permeate into our, our heart, mind, body, and soul. We don't allow uh, this love to direct our life. We don't uh, allow our life to be birthed out uh, of this love. And so if we really step into this, I, I really want to do a little bit of digging here today because I think this is important because I feel like there's a lot of us that we go to these places that if we just really understood what Paul w was saying, the length and the breadth and the height and the depth, that we would regularly step into what? The fullness of God. And, and so I, I really want us to get this today, to, to say like, how do I step into a, a greater relationship with God by knowing and comprehending and experiencing his love? And so it's just, his love is an endless expanse. It's incomprehensible. We're just going to scratch the surface. It says it surpasses all knowledge, but, but this is where we need to land. How do we step more and more into this? Well, we're, we're not going to remember something that we never have brought front and center. So if, if things aren't brought front and center on a regular basis, we're just going to forget about them. And so what we need to do and what we regularly need to step into is we need to allow the word of God and what he says about us and his love for us to pour over us. We need to step into the fact that, that we have a creator of the universe that says these amazing things about his love for us. And we don't do that regularly enough. We need to, oftentimes, we need to get our adoption papers out and say, and be reminded of who we are in Christ. Who are we in Christ? Like, we are loved. We are cherished. We, we know God's love is great. It's such a great expanse for us, and we know that through his word. We have a God and creator of the universe that rejoices over you. He rejoices over you. And 
And some in this room, you really need to feel that. You really need to know that. You, you have a skewed view of God. Yes, God hates sin. There's no getting around that. But he loves you because Jesus Christ has saved you. And that love just needs to be a place in which you live your life out of. He rejoices over you. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst. A, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And for those that have kids in the room, do you remember? Do you remember holding that little baby? And do you remember maybe trying, obviously, more gals than guys? I, I don't know. Um, I don't, I'm not a good singer. So. But do you remember holding your little baby and maybe singing him a, a lullaby? Or even right now, as you have little ones, and and singing them the, the lullaby and trying to get them to go to sleep. And just, just think back that, that love you had for the child. And just take that love and just exponentially increase it. You have the God, the creator of the universe, singing over you. He rejoices in you. You know, oftentimes we, we go to these places where we're in anguish and distress, right? And we just ask the question of like, Lord, where, where are you? I, I'm, I'm ready for this wilderness, for this desert. I'm, I'm ready for this tough, difficult season where it feels like everything has just been one uphill battle after another. I'm just ready for it to be done. Like, where are you? Do you see me? Like, do you hear my cries? And, and we could look to Psalm 31, 7 and 8. And the psalmist says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, Lord, because you have seen my affliction and you have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. God is building your foundation through the trials, through the difficult times, uh, through the perils of, of this life. He sees and knows your anguish and distress. And he is there to be a rock. He is there to deliver you in your time of need. And how about the fact that, that we not only have this great love, but we have this great love in which nothing or no one can separate. We can rejoice in our eternal security. Romans eight thirty eight and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And finally, this Advent season, the love in which God has for you is so great. Why? Because he sent his son to save you, to save you. What greater love is that? that Christ laid himself down and sacrificed his life, the substitute, the propitiation, the, the atonement for our sin that we may have life, have it abundantly, and have it eternally with God. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him in this love, in this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
God loves you so much. He sent his son to save us. And it's something that we regularly need to visit. It's something that we regularly need to rejoice in. It's something that we regularly need to bask in and to allow God's love to pour over us. Blaise Pascal, a a brilliant mind, a follower of Jesus, whose life tragically ended at at 39, he stated this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. And we are to be rooted and grounded in this love. This love, uh, should we should know it. We should comprehend it. We should just stop. Stop chasing after all of these things, all of these lowercase saviors, all the things in our life that we look to and say, You're just tr- we're just trying to look through those things to fill this God-shaped vacuum in our life, in our mind, in our, in our soul. So, so just stop searching, stop running, stop sojourning. Rejoice that you have a God that loves you. We don't need to be chasing after the lowercase saviors because we have the Savior, the Savior that loved us and gave himself up for us. So, so live a life that we know and comprehend this love. Live a life that we have the God and creator of the universe that loved us even before our existence. Know that you are loved. And if you know this love, it will completely change and transform your life. It will. There, it, there's no getting around it. And this brings us to our, our final destination, our, our final marker, uh, the, the final uh, place that um, we've we're just been on this sleigh ride, the final that, the final henna. Uh, folks, this is the hot chocolate and, and the cookies at the end of the sleigh ride. This final point, it says in verse 19, and, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Where in scripture do we see that promise? Like, this is saying that if we embrace this great love, that we, if we allow this love to pour over us, we will be filled with the fullness of God. That is a, that is a profound promise. And so that's something that we need to stop and and pause and and really kind of Take that for what it is. Point number four, that, that we would experience the fullness of God. And and this is our sermon in a sentence. Know the love of God. Know the love of Christ. Know the love of God that you may experience the fullness of God. When you hear this word experience, and sometimes experience could, you know, get a bad rap, right? At times, rightfully so, like there's, some churches and some places that all they're focused on is the experience. It's just kind of like, I, I, just need to, I just need to have this, this experience. And, and it's wind me up like a, a toy. And, you know, after the experience is over, well, guess where? I'm at the exact same place I was before. No change, no growth. Like we, we need to have experience. 
You know, God gave us emotions as we talked about this emotion of love, but let's just not make it all about the experience. Let's be rooted and grounded in God's word where we're growing and maturing as followers of Jesus. But for today, let's talk about this because when it says that we're to be filled with the fullness of God, this is an experience and we're to know and love and comprehend the the height and breadth and the the, the length and and depth of, of God's love for us. And so we must know this love. We must comprehend this love so we could be filled, so we could experience the fullness of God. And before we conclude our time together, and I said at the beginning of the message that what does this mean? If, if we know this love, if we are grounded and rooted in this love, if we understand the expanse of it and we live in this love, well, what are we supposed to do with this love? What are we supposed to do with it as individuals? What are we supposed to do with this as a church? And so as I referenced earlier, we've arrived at this three-month mark as a church. And so what does the Lord have for Redeemer Church? What does the Lord have for you? And just as we conclude this passage of Scripture in chapter 3, we could see that there's two more verses in this chapter. And those two verses, I think, are many in this room. They're favorite Verses And so our message, uh, uh, it concludes, but we, we have one more area that we need to cover just as Paul has these two more verses. There's one more jewel. And as we conclude our, our four Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love, I, I want to leave, leave us all with these, these two questions. And I want you to just really think about it. Not only as I ask these questions right now today, I, I want you to allow these questions to just be carried with you. Like even this week, and, you know, it's always such a challenge with preaching and teaching that how do we leave here and take some of this stuff with us? And so it's just a matter of just taking, and it's, it's that whole microcosm of God's love as well. Like how do we regularly just be feeding and knowing that God loves us? How do we regularly be thinking about maybe some of the things that we heard, like, oh, that was good. Maybe I need to carry that with us. And I want us to carry these two questions with us this week and today. What is the thing in your life that you need the Lord's love to pour over? What is that? I mean, we've all got something. We've all got this vacuum, right? At some point in our life. Like, what is it? that you need the love of God to pour over today, right? And then who is it, who is it in your life that needs to know this love? There may be something in your life right now that you're saying like, I need the light of of this Advent season, the light that shines in the darkness to just illuminate this area in my life right now, right? And you might need to say, I need to experience this hope, this peace, this joy, this love that we've been talking about. I I really need to step into these things. And also you might, the second question might be, I need to know that you're here, hearing my prayers for this person that I've been praying for 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 decades. Like, Lord, like, are you there? Are you going to see this come to pass with salvation in this person's life? And you might just be praying over and over and over for this individual. But the greatest thing you could do, the greatest display of love you could show a person is to lead them to the cross. It will be the greatest thing that you could do for this person in their entire life. And so who is that person 
Who is that person that maybe you've prayed prayers for and you haven't seen it come to pass? And maybe for some, those two questions are one and the same. Lord, I I need your love to pour over my life in this area because this person needs you, Jesus. So we get to these places where our faith wanes, our our faith wanders, we lose hope, we lose the, the sight of that God is great, he is sovereign over all, and instead we just go to these places like, Lord, are you gonna really deliver in this? And he doesn't say he's not. That's not what he says. He says, I will do far more than you can ask or think. So allow this Redeemer Church to be a verse that we regularly visit. Allow the fullness of God's love in this last passage of scripture to just really be manifest in our lives. Allow this to be a catalyst for your marching orders. Receive this final benediction with gladness. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever he is fully capable of doing far more than we could ask or think he is fully capable allowing of allowing his love to pour over this area in your life He is fully capable of of bringing that lost sheep in relationship with him. And so as we light the, we're going to do this quickly, final Advent candle before we light the Christ candle next week, let us just focus and and ponder on on God's great love for us and, and what this means for us. And so just pray with me. Lord, I just hope and pray that today we could walk away with a greater degree of your love for us. God, that term love could mean so many different things for so many different people. But God, we pray that that term would be marked that, Lord, you sent Jesus Christ to this earth 2,000 years ago to lay his life down and there is no greater love than that and and God that we would know and embrace and live in that love that we would comprehend it and through it Lord would we arrive at this place would we arrive at the final destination that we are loved by you that through it we can be filled with all the fullness of God God that's our, our prayer today Lord, just uh, meet us here today as we stand and sing this final song.
my whole life long Where else would I go? Yeah, tell me where else could I go? Surely my God is the strength of my soul Your love defends me Your love defends me And when I feel like I'm all alone Your love defends me Your love defends me Day after day Night after night I will remember You were with me in this fight Although the battle Rages on Wars already won I know the wars Surely my God is the strength of my soul Your love defends me Your love defends me And when I feel like there's no Your love defends me Your love defends me I uh, just would love to see you guys at our Christmas Eve services this upcoming Saturday, 4 o'clock and, and 5.30. And just go and know that you are loved by the great love of the Lord and know that you are loved 
by your church. You're dismissed.